listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, the Guitar Tech Podcast. My name is Eric Daw, longtime guitar builder and repairman, and it's a solo show today, no co-host. But uh, Nat will be back probably the next episode. Uh, so, what's on my bench lately? Well, I'll tell you, I've been uh, stocking up on pickup parts, and I just went ahead and assembled, oh, I don't know, around a 100 maybe more, uh, pick up bobbins. So I've got the frames built, and they're lacquered and ready to wind. So if you've ever thought about ordering pickups from me, now would be a good time because I'm going to start winding up um, sets. So Telecaster-style pickups, Stratocaster-style pickups, and I will have them available for sale. I might start posting them on uh, my website, available for sale individually, but if you wanted to order pickups, you can go to um, ericdaw.com and click on the pickups tab, and that it, there's a little order form there for you to fill out, and then I'll send you back an, an invoice in your email. Very easy to do. Also, you know, we do have shirts, stickers, and such available for the show if you're interested at the top of fretfiles.com. You can get a Fret Files shirt, Fret file sticker. Just a little way to support the show. You know, the other way to support the show, if you haven't already, please consider ordering my book, Solid Sound Book. It's my closely guarded wiring secrets that I've had for years and years. I finally decided to publish them. You can get it at solidsoundbook.com. So check that out. I wanted to start out with, we've been getting a few reviews on the book, so I wanted to read a couple of reviews, then we'll get into the show. Book reviews. Here we go. This is from Jonathan Brett. This book lives on my bench. I can't wait to coax my clients into these wiring options. Eric, as always, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you, Jonathan. Here's the next one. This book will be an invaluable resource to any guitar tech or guitarist. It's clearly written and is filled with really good layout diagrams. Plus, look how great it looks. That's from Scott Ketterer. <laughs> I bought the book for my nephew, and he's going through several mods on a few tellies. Once he gets it dialed in, perhaps I'll let him have a go at one of mine. Thanks for the great book. That's from Mark. Beautifully written, presented, and designed. Thanks for your thoughtful contribution to my library. From Charles Gerby. You know, it is beautifully designed. My my buddy Dan Peterselka really did a good job on the design. 
it looks just exactly, I mean, it looks better than I ever thought it would, really. He knocked it out of the park there. One more quick review from John Lane. This book is fantastic. I've worked on my own guitars for years, but wiring has never been my thing. Eric Dawes' book not only contains really cool wiring configurations, but has gone a long way toward demystifying electronics for me. I've learned a ton from Eric's podcast, The Fret Files, and now even more from this book. I also have to say I was pleasantly surprised to see Eric had autographed it. That was a super nice touch. That's from John. John Lane. Yeah, I well, the initial batch... I'm sorry to say, I wasn't able to autograph every one of them. Uh, a lot of them didn't ship from here. They they shipped from a different location, so I wasn't... They never passed through my hands. But now, I'm shipping every book. So if you order a book from here on out, I will autograph it. Absolutely. Alrighty, we have a few calls to take. Maybe we should do that, and then we will get into uh, the emails. Good evening, Eric and Matt. This is Robert from Georgia. Uh, first, let me thank you for what you've done. Uh, you've taught me a lot on repairing my guitars and keeping them up and everything. So thank you for that. A couple questions. First one is, uh, I've seen these, uh, they're called uh, skins for your guitar, the vinyl skin that you put on it. What is your thoughts on that? Is that... Uh, messing with the sound or as it being electric that doesn't really matter uh just what are your thoughts on that second question is on uh redoing guitars uh refinishing repainting uh could you go into more detail on that on how you do it uh oil based versus water based uh the process uh i'm, I'm still new at this and I got one I'm trying to redo and just trying to figure it out. Thank you and that. Appreciate you. Y'all have a good day. Yes, sir. Thank you. So you've got some guitars that you want to uh, change the way they look, it sounds like. The guitar skins, the vinyl skins, I've... I bet they look pretty good from, like, stage or from, from 10 feet or more. But it's hard for me to imagine that they that they look anything other than cheesy up close. I don't know. They do wraps on cars, you know. It's I think it's the same technology. It's like a vinyl wrap, and you it will conform to the contours of the uh, of the shape of the car or guitar in this case. So maybe they're good. I don't know. It's it's a. Uh, I'd be surprised if they look anything other than cheesy up close. I have to say, I haven't seen any skins applied to guitars. I haven't seen it up close. Uh, the other thing on refinishing, gosh, there's a whole lot to that. As far as a a uh, like an amateur project, you know, if you're going to refinish your guitar at home, there's probably not... A bigger project with more um, <laughs> uh, potential to really screw it up. If you refinishing is one of those things where there's kind of one way to do it, and if you do it any other way other than right, it's going to look crappy. 
it's going to look like you just spray painted it in your backyard. So that's something that I would suggest if you're if you're considering refinishing a guitar that you really like. I would suggest just getting some scrap wood and experimenting before you start refinishing guitars because it's really something that can look bad. Um, if you want to read more about it, there's two books that I would recommend. One, The Guitar Player Repair Guide by Dan Erlewine has a section on refinishing, and it's a good little section. Uh, that's a good book to have anyway, um, The Guitar Player Repair Guide. There's all kinds of information in there about guitar repair and maintenance and a section on refinishing. Basically, to refinish wood or to refinish a guitar uh there's there you have to think of it in layers so there's an there's layers of sealer and pore filler and primer you know and then and then color and then clear coat so it's not just a spray it once and uh and buff it out there's about four or five different products you have to use to really get a professional professional-looking refinish. So the Guitar Player Repair Guide has a section in there. The other book that I would really recommend that goes a lot deeper into uh, finishing, it's not guitar-centric, but it's just about wood finish. It's called Understand Wood, Understanding Wood Finishing by Bob Flexner. I'm seeing both of these books available online for under 10 bucks each. If you have a small guitar book library. These two books are huge. Understanding Wood Finishing, How to Select and Apply the Right Finish by Bob Flexner. It goes into great detail about all kinds of wood finishes. What we're mostly concerned with in guitars, you mentioned uh, water-based and oil-based. Mostly what we're concerned with in the guitar world is lacquer finishes, which are more of a, I I think they're considered a resin base. A, you know, traditional nitrocellulose lacquer finish. That's what I do uh, in my shop. I know a lot of um, guys are doing polyurethane finishes too. So that is something that can also be done. But I don't know much about that. I only do lacquer finishes. And I will tell you, there's huge potential here to make it look really bad. <laughs> it's easy, so easy to do an unprofessional finish very hard to get it right. So practice on scrap wood, read up on it before you ever start stripping the finish off of a guitar that you like. Or here's an idea, buy a kit guitar for cheap. I think Stuart McDonald has kit electric guitars for under a couple hundred bucks. Practice on that. Try to make it, try to make the finish look nice. Or just buy a, just buy a junky guitar that you don't care about and try to refinish that first. I would bet you most guys who are interested in, interested in refinishing their guitar, if they experimented around a little bit on a, on a practice guitar that they don't care about or on some scrap wood, would actually lose interest <laughs> pretty fast. It's difficult. It's not really that fun. The chemicals are toxic. You need to wear a respirator. That's the other thing. Don't give yourself uh, emphysema by breathing in lacquer fumes. And uh, it's, it's, 
it's tough. It's really tough to make it look right. So that's my warning. But don't let me discourage you. If you really want to do this and you really want to make it look good, it can be done. But do your homework and practice first before you work on a nice guitar. All righty. We have another call in. Let's see where we are here. Hi, Eric. Hi, Nat. It's Ben here in the UK. Howdy, Ben. Um, Coronation weekend here. How's that look to the outside world? (laughs) What a bizarre, bizarre thing. Um, Anyway, I was looking at the Def Eddie's custom five-way Telecaster schematic from your Solid Sound book, which is amazing. Um, I'm looking at putting that into my telly, but I was wondering if there's an easy way to also incorporate the... um, cap that you use to retain the base in your four-way pinup wiring schematic where could i put that cap in the five-way schematic so that in position two when it's both pickup series and out of phase i can have the cap to retain the base because that would be really good Uh, i'm just looking at the the diagram with the five-way super switch and just i think i know where to put it but if you could tell me where to put it and which lugs to connect it to. That would be great. Thanks very much. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. Thank you for ordering the book. You know, Ben, that's one of the reasons why I designed the the very next schematic in the book is Eric's custom Tele five-way wiring. And it has the cap that, uh, that will get that sound that you're talking about. The problem is that... Uh, it replaces, on, on my schematic, <clears throat> it replaces the humbucker setting, which it sounds like maybe you want that. So you're trying to you're trying to blend two different schematics. This is why, <laughs> this is why I included blank schematic pages in the back, so that you can design your own. There are about 20 lugs on that five-way super switch, so trying to describe where to put that capacitor in an audio format is a a little tricky. I'm not sure I would be able to do it, and I don't want to attempt it. Plus, I'm not sitting here with the book in front of me. So, what I will say is, you can do it. You can figure it out. Absolutely, you can do it. Experimentation, man, is going to be the key. Uh, If you can't figure it out, email me, and I can uh, just make some quick scribbles on a schematic and email it back to you. Uh, But trying to describe this in audio format is nigh impossible. And as far as Coronation Week goes, I don't know. I don't even follow local news, man. I don't know what's going on in the world. I gave up a long time ago on trying to follow any politics or news. I decided the world is a dumpster fire, and it's going to burn whether I watch or not. So I decided to stop watching. Uh, So I don't follow anything like that. But I can imagine, I can imagine it was, uh, I can imagine it was very bizarre. Very bizarre. Like something out of, uh, I don't know, if you mixed Lewis Carroll with The Hunger Games. Anyhow, let's, uh, let's take a quick little break here and then we'll come back with some emails. After these messages, we'll be right back. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Based in Waco, Texas, 
Apex Coffee Roasters searches the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off from ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. Hey, life happens. Coffee helps. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. It's good stuff. You know PlayersGearMusic.com is the go-to place for neck heating irons or neck presses. We've been telling you about that for a long time, but you should really check out his effects pedals. Go to PlayersGearMusic.com. Rick over there makes custom guitar pedals, and he makes all kinds. They're so unique. Check them out. Uh, Distortion pedals, boosts, fuzz pedals, and sometimes they're in really unique um, containers. Sometimes they're uh, painted wild. you got to check it out. PlayersGearMusic.com. While you're there, look up the neck heating irons that he sells. It's the only place on earth that I'm aware of you can still buy one, and it's essential. It's essential in my shop. I use mine all the time. PlayersGearMusic.com. Check it out. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hello, Eric. I just picked up an amp that had been thrown out for trash. It wasn't in the best condition, but I couldn't leave it sitting on the curb. After a little Googling, I now know it's a national dynamic amp made by, made by Valco in 1962. It has two 8-inch Jensen speakers. Wow, that sounds cool. I plugged it in for a quick test, and to my surprise, it works, and it has a pretty nice clean tone. Do you know anything more about these amplifiers? Is there a particular book that you would recommend on valve tube amp repair and service? As this little amp has me excited about experimenting and trying to get the most out of it. That's from Matthew in Ontario, Canada. Matthew, that sounds like a fun amp, man. Two 8-inch Jensen's, that's cool. That's super cool. I don't know anything about that model. I know that National, you know, Valco made very cool amps. They're very cool. Uh, So score... Score for you, man. Absolutely. And the fact that it it works just sitting on the curb, my goodness, who would throw that away? Hmm, makes you scratch your head. Uh, I don't know anything about that model, but I'm sure you could find out about it online. There is a book I'd recommend on uh, tube amp service. It's the Jack Dar book. Let me look it up. I don't know what the title of the book is, but it's by Jack Dar. And if you follow um, the TAVA podcast, the Truth About Vintage Amps podcast that Jason Verlindi and Skip Simmons do over there at the Fretboard Journal, one of their podcasts uh, in the fine family of Fretboard Journal podcasts, uh, that's the book he's always talking about. Um, I would say... Um, if you don't already listen to that show, listen to that. I'm not a I'm not an amp tech. So, I'm the wrong guy to ask. I will mess around on my own amps occasionally, but I don't know enough to mess around with a customer's amp or to be giving amplifier advice. The book by Jack Dar is called Electric Guitar Amplifier Handbook. It's on Amazon for uh, it's kind of pricey. You might be able to find you might be able to find a used copy, but uh, I don't know. Even at 40-something bucks, I think it's worth the knowledge that's contained within. 
It says here, Jack Dar's Electric Guitar Amplifier Handbook details the following. How guitar amplifiers work, how to make amp repairs properly and safely, how to troubleshoot tube and transistor amps of all sizes, details on typical amp circuits, and much more. So there you go. That's the book I'd recommend. Next question. Thank you, Matthew. Next question. Thanks for sharing your knowledge on your podcast. I really enjoy listening. I've recently been giving given an old Conqueror Bruno. Or maybe it's a Bruno Conqueror. I'm not really sure, but it's a made-in-Japan guitar. Everything is complete and in working order, except for one single tuner bushing. It appears to be a plastic bushing. I'd like to get this guitar back in working order. I'm wondering if you have a good source for something like this. I'd like to replace this missing bushing, or possibly all of them, then proceed to clean it up, set it up, and play it. The tuner post appears to be around 6 millimeters, with the tuner hole measuring about 9 millimeters. I'd have to measure it better when it's disassembled. What do you think? Also, have you ever heard of these guitars? It's a neat little guitar. The scale length appears to be around 23 and 5 eighths, or 23 and 3 quarters. I sent some pictures of the guitar along with this question to your email. Thanks for your insights on this, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, Conqueror, I think is the brand name. I have seen one or two of those. It's a funky old, like a Tysco, you know, Japanese guitar. They're neat. They are neat. The little plastic tuner bushings, when those get lost, they can be hard to find. Uh, If you take that out, if you take that tuner bushing out and take some good pictures of it, and email me some good pictures of it, maybe sitting next to a uh, a ruler or something for scale. <clears throat> send me some measurements. Send me some pictures. I have some of those, and, and there's all different kinds. So I might have the right one, but take some good pictures of it, and if I don't have it, then there are stores. I know, like, for example, Emerald City Guitars in Seattle, where I worked as their in-house luthier for 15 years, They have bins and bins and bins of spare parts back in the repair shop there. And one of the things they have is just tons of tuner ferrules. So uh, they might have a match for that. But if I don't have a match, and if a store like Emerald City Guitars, or, you know, you could email any vintage guitar store and see if they've got a tuner ferrule like that. And I'm sure they'd send it to you for a nominal fee. But uh, if nobody has one, yeah, you could replace the whole set. It's not like it's a vintage Fender, you know? So replacing parts on it isn't really the end of the world. Those plastic ferrules really aren't the best anyway. So it, it might be a good time to just do an upgrade there. But yeah, very cool guitar. Well, let's see, did he have another question? No. <laughs> I think that was it. Thank you, Jeff. Another question here. Hi, Eric. I am loving my strat. I just have one question. I have a little buzz on the third string, and I just realized I don't have access to the truss rod. I'm sure that's the way these used to be. Let me think about this. Hold on. Oh, okay. I'm understanding now. That this is a this is from a fellow who bought one of my custom guitars, an S-style, for reference. So he's saying, I'm loving the guitar I bought from you. I have just a question. 
I have a little buzz on the third string, and I just realized I don't have access to the truss rod. I'm sure that's the way these used to be. I'm just wondering if you have any tips on neck adjustment. I live up in Maine, so the dryness from the house radiator in the winter messes with the wood, more so on my acoustic. What does one do if he wishes to adjust the rod? Is it not possible? Is it all about the screws at the bridge? I'm assuming a luthier around here knows, but I thought I'd ask you first. Thanks for your insight. That's from Bo. Bo, the the truss rod adjustment is on the heel. So this is a bolt-on neck guitar, Fender style. The truss rod adjustment is at the heel. So to adjust the truss rod, you have to take the neck off. If you are at all, at all skeptical about your skills in adjusting the truss rod or removing the neck, take it to a pro, man. I would highly suggest you take it to a pro. Or if you wanted to send it to me, I'll do a setup on it. Setups. I charge 80 bucks, and you'd also be out shipping both ways. So that would be an expensive way to do it if you don't have somebody there locally. But setting up this guitar is a pretty simple, pretty simple thing, and you should be able to find a competent guy or gal in your area uh, who can set that up for you. But if not, let me know. Thanks, Bo. On to the next. Hey, Eric, let's talk long game. What is the one takeaway that you would hope a listener learns if they listen to every episode of your podcast? Is there one universal top tech tip that you would want the listener to retain above all others? Or is that too difficult to narrow it down to only one? Thanks for the podcast. I really enjoy it. Larry in the beautiful panhandle of Florida. I'm not sure if he's being sarcastic about the panhandle of Florida being beautiful or not. It's hard to tell in text, isn't it? I'm assuming that it is beautiful there, Larry, and that you're not just being sarcastic. I'm glad you enjoy the podcast. I like this question. Let's talk long game. What's one takeaway that you would hope a listener learns if they listen to every episode of your podcast? That is tough to say. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that there's one tech tip like, you know, making sure there's graphite in the nut slots or making sure your guitar is set up properly. I mean, there's a lot of things come to mind, but I guess the real answer would be if you listened to every episode of this podcast and I and I wanted you to retain one thing from everything you've learned, it would be that I hope you've learned how to think objectively, you know? I mean, really... When you when you encounter a problem on, on a guitar, my hope is that you don't just have some knee-jerk reaction that you read on a forum somewhere or some knee-jerk reaction about, you know, oh, I have, I have tuning problems, therefore I need new tuners. No. Think objectively. Think... I, let, me, let me say it this way. I hope this podcast teaches you more how to think than what to think. Okay? Not necessarily any one tech tip, but when you encounter a problem, I want you to be able to look at the guitar, take all of the information into consideration, take all the facts into consideration, and use your brain and figure things out. I 
I cringe at a lot of the stuff I read online, you know. Um, and there's a lot of like guitar, like myths and like, like smoke and mirror stuff about, you know, you're going to put a special capacitor in your guitar and now you're going to sound like Eric Clapton or something. Uh, I want you to think for yourself. I don't want you to get tone advice from tone websites, you know, that are selling some, selling some capacitor for $50 that really should be $1 or um, some weird doodad that you're going to bolt onto your guitar and it's going to change your life. No. I would I would hope that you learn from this podcast how to look at the guitar and think about physics, think about the science of string vibration and tuning and frets being level and necks being straight, you know. That's what I would hope, that you just, that you learn how to think objectively using your brain rather than uh, just jumping to conclusions or trying the first crazy thing you, you read on the internet. I hope that, that answers, I hope that answers your question, Larry. Thank you very much. Alrighty, next question. Hi, Eric. Thanks for all the great knowledge you put out into the world with your podcast. I've been listening for about a year, and I fixed a vintage Echo Ranger 12-string acoustic guitar that had lots of rattles and buzzes and sounded dull. And from your tips, I gave a, from your tips you gave about any part of a guitar that's loose, rubbing acoustic energy from the instrument, I removed a 3-millimeter-thick batwing pickguard that was just holding on by a few small bits of glue, and instantly the guitar came to life. A small tweak of the truss rod, recut the bone bridge, saddle, slots, and all the buzzing is gone, and now an unplayable instrument is making beautiful music again. It is now strung with just six strings and open tunings and sounds great, so thank you. Good, thank you. My question for you is about a 1968 Yamaha SA-15 hollow body electric guitar that I bought a few months ago. It sounds and plays wonderfully, but there's too much microphonics from the pickups. There is excessive pick or finger sounds and string squeak coming through the amp, and I can't play above three on the volume of my Fender Champ without getting feedback. If I tap the plastic pickup covers or any other part of the body, it clearly comes through the amp like tapping on a microphone. I like the sound of the pickups and want to keep them, so I'm looking at wax putting them and would like any tips and advice you have about that process. My wife has generously offered me to use her wax pot, and I have the paraffin and beeswax ready. Thanks so much and love the show. Simon in Western Australia. All right, Simon. He has a PS here too. Postscript. I'm glad to hear in the last episode, Eric has partially embraced the metric system. I'm baffled to see how anyone makes small measurements using all those odd fractions. Yeah, I know. Yeah, now I'm with you. Thank you, Simon. So if you want to try wax potting those pickups, he's got a Yamaha SA-15 hollow body electric guitar. And the pickups, it sounds to me like the pickups are very microphonic. I like slightly microphonic pickups, but when they're too microphonic, like like you're describing, it sounds like you can't even play very loud without getting howling feedback. So I think wax potting those pickups would be a great idea. There's really not much to it. If your wife has a wax pot that I'm assuming she uses for, uh, you know, salon-type beauty purposes, uh, 
the wax, uh, the real danger that people get into here is they'll try to wax pot pickups on the stove or something. And paraffin wax is combustible and it will ignite. And you don't want flaming liquid paraffin wax. You'll, you'll burn your house down. So uh, the key is to keep the temperature under control. I think 145 degrees is where you want to be. Um, gosh, I should look that up before I just say that. But uh, yeah, hold on. Let me look that up. I will be right back. Yeah, about 150 degrees is what's safe. That's safe. And uh, at that temperature, it will flow nicely into the coil. What I do uh, when I wax pot pickups is dip it in there and let it sit in the wax until bubbles stop coming out. So when bubbles are coming out, that means that air is being replaced by wax in the coil. So wait until the bubbles stop coming out, and then I will take it out and immediately set it on paper towels and kind of wrap it with paper towels to soak up all the extra wax so that it's not just... uh, you know, completely coated in wax when it dries. You just want a thin, thin coating, just enough to keep vibrations down. So, yeah, be safe. And if you've got a if you've got a, a wax heater made specifically for wax, then that shouldn't be a problem. Alrighty, I think we have one more question. Hi, Eric and Nat. Oh, sorry, Nat's not here, man. Hi, Eric. Question for you regarding filing fret ends to fix fret sprout or just flush up fret ends on a new fret job. I feel like if I try to make the ends perfectly flush, the file would scratch the edge of the fingerboard too. Is this the case? If so, how would you clean up the fingerboard edges? Maple or rosewood? Any different? I look forward to hearing your thoughts and methods. Love the podcast. That's Dave in Calgary, Canada. Yes, Dave. Yeah, Filing sharp fret ends, um, you want to get it flush with the finish. And one way to do that, you know, it's a lot like finish touch-up. When you do finish touch-up, you'll build up the finish up above uh, the, you know, the point of being level, and then scrape it smooth, and then sand and polish. So what happens when you're doing fret ends is you'll file the frets just until the just until the file just starts kissing the finish. And then what I do is I switch to sandpaper. And I'll use um, progressively finer sandpaper. Uh, Maybe start with a couple passes of 400 grit, and then 600 grit, and then 1,000, you know, 800 grit, 1,000 grit, 1,200 grit. And then get out my polishing compound and polish up uh, not only the fret ends, but the finish and or the edge of the fingerboard as well. So if you do scuff up the uh, fingerboard just a little bit in the process, what you're doing is sanding it and polishing it smooth along with the frets. You definitely don't want to take this too far because you can go through the finish. So you just, you're just getting to where it's flush with the finish and then, and then finishing up with a fine wet sanding and polishing. The frets that sit above the the um fingerboard where uh where the fret end is um beveled 
that can be rounded off just a little bit as well with a file, either a crowning file or just a fine tooth file. And you can, you can just, you know, if, if the edges of the, where the fret is beveled, if those edges are sharp, you can just round off those edges just a little bit. Don't go crazy though. There, I, I hate the look of a really rounded off fret end. Nice crisp half moons is what I like to see. But you can soften those edges a little bit as well before you do your final polishing. And then the uh, sanding and polishing that will will make for a smooth surface and a good looking surface as well. So that's how I do it in my shop. A lot of times what I'll do um, is I'll put a strip of masking tape just below where the frets are on the side of the neck you know where the frets are poking out uh, from the slot the, t the actual tang is poking out from the slot just a little bit I'll take masking tape and put it just under that so that I know that I'm not running a file along the uh, finish where I don't need to alrighty thank you Dave that does it for this show if you want to participate in the show you can go to my website ericdaw.com click the contact link and submit your question or comment there I'll use it as part of the show the other way to participate is to text or call 757-774-8482 thank you we'll talk to you soon